Hello and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show dedicated to workplace and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne. We broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. My name's Annie McLaughlin. The Victorian election on November the 29th ejected the Napthine Liberal government from office after only one term in office. This has never happened in Victorian politics before. Instrumental in this defeat was the work of the trade unions put the Liberals' last campaign, in particular the work of two unions that had been in protracted dispute throughout the Liberals' term in office. Ambulance Employees of Australia and the United Firefighters Union were at polling booths handing out Put the Liberals' last card as part of their protracted industrial dispute over wages and conditions. We will hear from Danny Hill, Assistant Secretary of Ambulance Employees Australia, on his take on their dispute in the election, but first a word from Peter Marshall, National Secretary of the United Firefighters Union. Peter Marshall. Well, first can I say thank you to your listeners and to the public. Firefighters took the unprecedented action in taking their message to the electorate and to the voters to inform them about the Napfine government's budget cuts and detrimental effect on the ability for the firefighters to provide the service that was needed to protect the community. So first of all, we thank the public for listening to the firefighters. It was unprecedented for them to be involved in such an information campaign on Election Day. Second issue is, is this is that there's going to be a requirement to undo the damage, $66 million budget cuts out of the fire service by the NAPFINE government, freeze on recruitment, morale is at an all-time low. Mr Andrews, the now Premier of Victoria, prior to becoming Premier, he addressed firefighters and gave a number of undertakings, in particular to respect the profession that firefighters perform and indeed to acknowledge the fact that firefighters put their life on the line in protecting the community. We're looking forward to a positive period where fire cover and fire safety in the community is enhanced. Our members are able to focus on the main job of protecting the community rather than worried about whether they're going to have a job next week. So we're looking forward to a positive growth period, whereas initiatives that will enhance community protection can be put in place, such as the increased number of uh, firefighters that Mr Andrews has said that uh, he will recruit. Now there's been a uh, report coming out of the Climate Council, Be Prepared, climate change and the Victorian bushfire threat, which has underpinned a call for a doubling of the number of professional firefighters. Yeah, by 2030, uh, the number of professional firefighters in Victoria uh, will have to be uh, doubled. Uh, And the Climate Council have looked at Victoria in isolation from the other states and have found that Victoria is one of the world's most dangerous states uh, where there has the greatest fire risk because of the urban-rural interface and the continued uh, increase of the uh, communities that are impinging on what traditionally had been forest or wildland. On top of that, they estimate this fire season alone, going on previous fire seasons where there's been megafires, that there'll be approximately $170 million damage as a result of wildfire in Victoria. Additionally, Victoria's unfortunately got the record of losing the most lives in the context of wildfire. Uh, And it's not just bushfires. What we're seeing here is that urbanised areas, uh, suburban areas, actually do impinge 
on what was traditionally a rural area. And wildfire into that, whether it be grassland or forest, can have a catastrophic effect. Can I say the 455 fighters that Mr Andrews has promised is on track with the need to increase uh, double the number of firefighters by 2030. It equates to around an extra 120 firefighters per year. That is a reasonable target. Uh, uh, in short, the Climate Council independently has uh, verified uh, Mr Andrews's uh, policy and we look forward to those new resources being put into the system. Now you pointed out the uh, obvious urban-rural fringe issues as people more and more people are moving out of the traditional city centres. Is there a conflict in relation to the traditional method of the CFA to recruit volunteers to their ranks and the need for professional firefighters? There's no conflict. There's only a conflict when the conflict when people apply their vested interest. Can I say very clearly there should be one determinant and that is is the community that is actually paying a fire service levy protected in their time of need? Any other argument is superfluous. And not only that, uh, it is self-centred and self-driven for uh, organisations' own responsibility. So what I'm saying is for their own existence. I've heard the opposition that's come out of volunteer associations saying that you know, there's no need for uh, an extra 455 fighters as per the new government's policy. Well, within two weeks of them saying that, you have an independent research paper come out verifying, uh, vindicating that figure that uh, Mr Andrews put out there. So at the end of the day, the only conflict is one's self, uh, self-interest self as opposed to what's best for the community. So what I say very clearly to those who are throwing up a scaremongering campaign about this is the end of volunteerism, one, it's not right what you're saying, Two, you're more worried about your own interests rather than what you purport to uh, represent, and that is protecting the community. Now, as you said earlier, it was un- unprecedented that firefighters actually turned up at, in numbers at uh, polling booths right across the state, dressed in mock fire gear to give out um, leaflets calling for the Liberals to be voted for last. How did that come about? That came about out of sheer frustration. I mean, there's been a significant attack on firefighters ever since the NAPFINE government came to power. For three years, they have been attacked through litigation. There was an attempt to demonise them in the public arena by suggesting they uh, they were bludgers off the public purse. And most importantly, their resources, the tools they needed to be able to protect the community were consistently and systematically being removed from them by the NAPFINE government. So... It came about through an awareness of, look, uh, we are so frustrated, what can we do about this? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, the public relations from the NAPFINE government about all this well needs to be counted. And who best can do that is firefighters themselves. Consistently, they have been uh, chosen as one of the most trusted professions. So they took their message to the streets. They engaged in 25 door knocks in marginal seats. We deployed 700 firefighters to 109 polling booths in nine electorates. And we distributed over 300,000 how not to vote cards, which highlighted what Mr. Napfine's government was doing to the fire service. And the fact is, if it was continued, firefighters' ability to protect the community was uh, severely compromised. Now, 
the end of the day, that wasn't a political message. It was a factual message about this government was bad government and it was actually detrimental to fire cover and fire safety of the community, as well as the continued attack on reducing firefighter numbers also put firefighters at risk. Can I say, just in 12 months alone, we had 50 fire station closures uh, just because there wasn't enough staff. The Napoline government didn't care about that. Uh, they denied it. We were very worried about the catastrophic effect that that would have. Can we go to the issue of workplace cancer, uh, in particular Fishville Training Centre? That was also a sore point, wasn't it? Well, again, we've seen cover-up after cover-up, uh, total inaction. We know that they use chemicals, and there was an admission they use chemicals and toxins uh, for hot fire training. Firefighters are exposed to uh, materials or substances that we, uh, the CFA knew caused cancer. Uh, they had a report to that effect, but they buried it. The Napfine government and the CFA to protect their corporate image, and there's an interesting opinion piece in the paper today, in the Herald Sun today, uh, show very clearly that uh, they put up obstruction after obstruction after obstruction. This inquiry will get to the bottom of who was responsible, who decided to not uh, release the information, who covered it up, and most importantly, those people need, be, need to be made accountable. For example, in the Herald Sun today, they refer to Mr Rao, who is now the Chief Fire Officer of the MFB. He was actually in charge of fiscal uh, during one of those periods uh, when the um, uh, bacteria was actually, uh, bacterial contamination was in the water. The question is, what did he know and why hasn't he uh, come forward on this issue? This inquiry will get to the bottom, as well as Mr Burke, Chief Executive Officer of the CFA. Uh, uh, again, what did he know? When did he know? What, uh, what did he know? Uh, when did he know it? And more importantly, why didn't he release it? Uh, people need to may, be made accountable because people, firefighters, uh, in good faith, uh, trusting their employer, trusting the government of the day, uh, entered into training of that facility and have uh, had ad been adversely affected either through uh, uh, fairly severe il illnesses uh, as far as cancer-related illnesses or alternatively, they've actually uh, had uh, dermatitis, etc. What I'm saying to you is um, uh, they've breached the trust of the firefighters. This inquiry will get to the bottom, hopefully get to the bottom of those who allowed that to occur and make those people accountable and potentially uh, criminality could be involved. Now it's interesting because it's, it doesn't just affect firefighters, uh, that whole issue with Fishville. I mean, as your release puts, points out, that uh, PrimeSafe banned human consumption of uh, cattle downstream from Fishville. Farmers received confidential compensation. Eels from the same water system were sold into Asian food markets and Fishville's water flowed from the Mirabal River to the Werribee River and into Melbourne's drinking water. Now, in a similar sense, what happened in Morwell showed a lack of uh, level of governance that, uh, well, obviously the people at the polls gave the Napfine government a uh, resounding no. Well, that's right. Absolutely. I mean, you did write about that contamination. Prime Safe have actually uh, labelled the cattle in the adjacent pay properties as not being fit for human consumption. So if that's been the case, uh, one can only... Uh, be horrified to think the uh, to think about the effects on firefighters who were directly exposed because that's an indirect uh, contamination. So you know, look, CFA uh, senior management uh, uh, and boards who are involved in this process 
need to be made accountable. They have overseen one of the worst periods, one of the biggest cover-ups in the history of firefighters' public institutions. And uh, uh, we're hopefully looking forward to getting to the bottom of that. Now, do you think that this will have, for your members, a knock-on effect potentially in regards to the legislation that was knocked back in regards to firefighters and uh, their need on an individual basis to prove that they have contracted cancer from their workplace? Well, I mean, pistols are separate and a discrete issue in relation to that point. However, what we do know globally, it is accepted that firefighters have a higher rate of the incidence of certain types of cancer because of the unavoidable risk of being exposed when they go into a structure to rescue someone or commence firefighting operations. Now, that's there's no controversial. Uh, there's no controversy about that in the uh, scientific community. Uh, all the uh, scientists have agreed on that fact. North America have legislation. The Australian Senate uh, actually investigated that matter as to uh, to determine uh, whether it's right or wrong, and found a conclusive uh, uh, conclusive finding that um, there was a. Uh, a higher risk of uh, the incidence of cancer in firefighters because of the unavoidable risk of being exposed. Hence, federal legislation flowed uh, to protect uh, those firefighters to be able to access compensation and treatment. From the federal legislation, South Australia government uh, has actually enacted the same legislation, Western Australia, Tasmania. The NAPFINE government knocked the legislation back three times. Three times. Happy to, uh, happy to uh, saddle up to a Photoshop with a firefighter, but went about uh, providing the very basic entitlements uh, for their protection, they went missing in action. So they should never be forgiven for that. But what I'm pleased to say is that we expect that presumption legislation will be introduced in Victoria in the new year. I am, in my capacity as the National Secretary, I've just been informed that uh, the Queensland Government have announced the introduction of that legislation. So slowly but surely the injustice of firefighters not being able to access compensation and indeed entitlements for treatment is being uh, rectified around the uh, country. It seemed a very strange thing for a government of any complexion to want to spend a lot of promotional activity on proving to the public that, one, the AMBOs and the firefighters were uh, lazy, good-for-nothings, considering that uh, people really don't want AMBOs and firefighters to be considered to be layabouts. Yeah, well, what you're saying there was a tactic. They slashed the fire service, and uh, I can't speak with authoritative voice on the ambulance service, but we all know there's significant problems there. To cover that up, they tried to create a deflection, saying suggesting that firefighters and ambulance officers were creating this problem because it wasn't real. They even went to the extent of trying to label firefighters as industrial fuds or union fuds. You know, uh, totally disrespectful. For, uh, uh, and it shows you what lengths they would go to. They would demonise one of the most, if not the highest, respected professions in the community, being firefighters and ambulance, for their own political survival. What does that say about the quality of the politicians uh, that formed the Napfine government? Disgraceful. Hopefully they never see the light of day again. Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. You're listening to Stick Together 
the only national radio program devoted to industrial news and social justice issues. An important element of the historic one-term defeat of the Napthine government in Victoria on November the 29th is the work of unionists who push voters to put the Liberals last because of their track record in relation to key services in the state. We have listened to Peter Marshall from the UFU. Now we hear from Danny Hill from the Ambulance Employees Australia. Now, it's been a protracted dispute with the Victorian government for the ambulance service. Can you give us an idea of the milestones in the dispute? Yeah, you're right. It has been a marathon dispute, and uh, our members are calling it a bit of an epic, and um, that's certainly the way it feels. Um, Look, there's been a number of milestones along the way. At at different times along the journey, we've had... uh, you know, some, uh, you know, places where the dispute has stalled and where we've had to um, ramp up our industrial action by conducting mass rallies and, you know, escalating some of the actions that we're taking by taking new bans that affect different parts of the ambulance service. I think to us, some of the milestones have probably been more some of the, the things that have played out in the media. So, for instance, we've had times when the previous health minister, Dave Davis, has come out and actually publicly criticised paramedics and called them money grabbers and union thugs and um, things like that. And that's just, if anything, that's almost helped our cause because it just rallies the members and it rallies the public behind us. So we've been, you know, sort of from the from the union office, we've been sort of watching as the, you know, our, our adversary, the, the health minister, you know, targets our members and the members just respond um, you know, very assertively. So in some ways, the you know, the previous health minister, Dave Davis, did a lot of our work for us. And there's a saying in the union movement that there's that the best union organiser is a bad boss. Well, Dave Davis has to be one of the best union organisers around. <laughs> and uh, how effective uh, was the uh, scribbles and uh, signs uh, hand done on the side of ambulances? Because it's a very tricky uh, line that... Uh, members have to walk, especially with uh, new anti-union legislation, isn't it so? That's right. They did have to be careful with it. And when it first happened, the Ambulance Victoria and the government threatened to take us to court for graffitiing and defacing their vehicles um, (laughs) and told us that we were violating the Graffiti Act. We didn't even know that there was a Graffiti Act, but we checked it out and graffiti is classed as something that you can't remove with a dry cloth. And, of course, the liquid chalk can just be wiped off with, uh, you know, with your hands uh, or with a, a paper towel. So they sort of lost it there. But, look, it did turn out to be a very, very effective uh, campaign tactic because you write something like ambulance service in crisis on a poster or on a, you know, on, a, on social media, and not many people look at it, but you put it on the side of an ambulance that's going through an intersection with its lights and sirens on, everyone is drawn to it. So it, it becomes a, a very, very credible and very impactful mobile billboard and what happened was uh, one of the radio stations started doing a segment called ambulance quote of the day where they were reading out some of the things little poems and limericks that have been written on the sides of the ambulances so some of the ambos started to become quite competitive trying to outdo each other and come up with clever sayings so that really helped just stir the pot and um, and get the message out but it's not just the writing itself it's what's written on there so Paramedics saying worst response times in history. You know, that's never happened before. We've never had a forum where paramedics can really speak out and tell the truth like that in such a, a vibrant and, um, 
and uh, eye-catching way. So I think that's what made it most effective. And I guess also in this world of uh, everything is uh, corporate-driven, it's also about personal statements too, isn't it? Taking ownership of the message. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And we had a lot of members ring us up and saying, hey, what should I write on the side of the ambulance? And in the start, we were, we were saying, look, this is what you should say. And same with talking to the media, because we essentially turned our members loose and said, go out there, talk to politicians, educate them, talk to the media, educate the media. And they'd say to us, well, what should I say? And in the end, we just found the best thing was to say, look, just tell the truth. Just go out there and talk to these people as if you were talking to one of your patients or a family member, because nothing is more effective. And the public are, are switched on. And if someone's out there and they're being very polished and very you know, carefully delivering a message in a very professional and polished way. Sometimes that can get a bit dull and people have heard it before, but when it's from someone who's, you know, very, it's very raw and it's very real and it's coming from that person's own experience, it's far more effective and it captures the public attention. And we found very much that the best thing was just to have paramedics unscripted getting at there and telling their own story because, you know, the truth is the truth, whether it's a paramedic who's been in the job one year working in the middle of Melbourne or a paramedic who's been in the job 30 years who works out at Mallacoota. They've all got the exact same experience of the ambulance service in that it is in crisis, it is understaffed, it is under-resourced, response times are atrocious and they're getting worse. And to, to have them all out there saying, you know, singing from the same hymn sheet, I think that was just a really powerful grassroots campaign. Also there was uh, the consistency too, the uh, people never let up. That's right. Yeah, we just we really tried as much as we could, not just to target the, the the bigger end of town as far as the politicians were concerned. We didn't just target the premier and the health minister. We made sure we targeted everyone. You know, if you if you were a government uh, a politician and you're in government and response times in your electorate had blown out, then you needed to know about it and you needed to do something about it. That's what you're elected to do. So we made sure that our members were. Even if they were not a you know a cabinet minister, we made sure that our members were following them, were trying to educate them. If they were dealt with rudely or dismissed or brushed away, then they'd cop it and they'd learn that that was a mistake. And we had politicians like Damien Drum from uh, uh, up around Bendigo Way, who you know has nothing to do with with ambulance. And um, you know when approached by some paramedics, he took one of their flyers, screwed it up, and threw it back at their feet. And, um, you know, so that just creates a target. That just makes him, he's made himself a target and, and we don't let up on that. So um, some politicians were smart in that they learned not to, you know, the best thing to do when approached by a paramedic is just to sit there and chat with them politely and then take that away and do something with that information. Yeah. The others uh, hopefully learned a lesson. What were your members basically after? Well, all along through the entire campaign from the beginning, and I'm talking right back into 2011, 2012, at the end of 2011 was when we started consulting our members for this round of bargaining as far as what they wanted in a new agreement. And what they were seeking all along was to be paid similar to the other Australian states because they're about $25,000 a year behind um, most of the other states. So a graduate paramedic in South Australia, a brand new AMBO, day one on the job is paid the same as a senior paramedic who's been in the job over six years in Victoria. So there's a, there's a big gap there and they wanted to correct that gap, but they wanted to do it without the way they've had to do it in the past, which is by trading off working conditions. So in the past, um, in order to get a pay rise, you would have to offer up something. You'd have to give up 
give away your leave and give away your sick leave. And in the beginning of um, you know the first offers put by Ambulance Victoria, that that's what it looked like. They wanted to take away a lot of conditions in order to get you know quite a minuscule pay rise. So. The whole campaign has been about chipping away at one pile while increasing the other one, and, and we've we've made movements there, albeit very very slowly. And now, at least with the elected with the election of the new Labor government, it looks like we we're able to actually start proper negotiations without being obstructed by the health minister. So you know, it's a, it's a fresh start for us. It's a new start, and um, and it's a completely different mood in the room in the, at the negotiating table. We had a meeting with him yesterday and it was a completely different mood where, you, you know, you felt you could actually open up and negotiate with, um, without being obstructed. Was your union part of the general union push to vote the Liberals last? What happened on the Saturday election day for your guys? Yeah, yeah, we were part of it. We became part of that quite early and we... We became involved with the Trades Hall We Are Union campaign quite early, and we were already campaigning. Um, we'd been campaigning for some time, and our message had gotten through to the public quite a lot. And, of course, we were happy to you know, work with our other union comrades and work together on their messages and on sharing our message with them. And it, on Election Day, we had uh, groups out there. I was down at Frankston, for example, and there was an AMBO, a nurse, a firefighter, um, a school teacher all handing out their Vote the Liberals last card. And, and it was a very, very powerful message. But in the lead-up to the election, we had members out door-knocking in different marginal seat electorates down in Melbourne's east. We had people ringing up our union members who are in um, a lot of those electorates and um, and talking to them about putting the Liberals last. So, you know, that went on for months and months and months, and it was very powerful and very effective. But it all revolved around the one-on-one conversation with people where... You know, instead of pouring millions and millions of dollars into advertising and billboards and TV ads, you know, you just get people out there, you get workers out there talking one-on-one with members of the public about, you know, this is what's going on in your health system, this is what's going on with your emergency services. And that um, you have that one-on-one time with people and you can really convince them. Did that include country areas as well? We weren't as active in some of those areas, but we, yeah, we certainly did. We were out, we had members out door knocking and letterboxing out in Bansdale and Sale, up around Ballarat, Buninyong and Wendaree, um, a lot of activity in Geelong and Bendigo. So right across, the, right across the state, it really was a statewide campaign, absolutely. We've been listening to Danny Hill, the Assistant Secretary of the Ambulance Employees Australia. One of the very first things that happened after the 29th of November election in Victoria was the mass resignation of the board members for the Victorian Ambulance Service. It was announced on December the 20th that Victorian ambulance workers had reached an agreement with the new state government. The deal included a 6% pay increase from January the 1st next year, followed by 3% pay increases in 2015 and 2016. There will also be a $3,000 sign-on bonus and Fair Work Australia will hold a full hearing in 2015 to assess the Ambulance Union's work value case to decide whether further increases are warranted. That's it for Stick Together this week. Thanks to you for listening in. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au 
and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktottogether at gmail.com or by calling 0394198377. Thanks to Danny Hill and Peter Marshall. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time. <laughs>